Oh, yeah, it's going to be about that time, isn't it? Time for the Nero Spicy Podcast at local666269.com. Yeah, boy, Rocco. King size muscle, king size muscle, too. Gluck Gluck 9000 on that social media, buddy. I think it's about time to give those knee pads a rest. All right. Counting down the hours here in America. Um, some of you may or may not know. Um, just like Apocalypse Now, I waited around for a message, uh, message <laughs> for a mission. And I don't mean like a Mormon mission, but for a mission. And now orders have come in, so... We are shuffling off to Buffalo, back to Asia. It's an unusual situation. The timing is not optimum. But considering things in general, when is the timing ever optimum? Again, right? Anything worth doing is going to require a leap of faith in this case. And definitely it is going to be a leap as it always is and it always pays out and always seems to work out so there's no real reason to be worried and and it's oddly that i'm not in the sense that i've got a few more things to check off before we make this happen but we're so close at this point it's a done deal and so now we just got to follow through one of the challenges i think of being neuro spicy of course is the impulsivity levels and we're notoriously impulsive according to neurotypicals and I would say that um, again in defense of my neurodivergent superheroes like myself we actually know how far out on the limb we are sawing granted accidents do happen (laughs) but generally speaking we're not purposely trying to turn ourselves into a smoldering ball of shit um for the most part i do have some self-loathing days where i might have considered it but generally speaking any risk that i'm taking uh is a gamble that i i suspect to maybe come out on top of and i have in the past all right big shout out of course to white bat audio and their royalty-free synth wave they always do such a great job with so much stuff i don't know how they produce so much work so fast i'm assuming it's a collective but i'm always impressed with what they do and i really appreciate it makes makes this aspect of what i do a lot easier and that's the key right is find those things that, that make your bit easier which seems difficult in the current climate that we're in which is another reason why i'm taking my fucking ball and going elsewhere at least for a break so i can clear my head up i've got to uh i've got to do some work on myself for sure these uh last few weeks in separation and pending divorce with my significant former has definitely done a number on my my mindset as it always does and, and perhaps that's why these situations sometimes are are created to blow up so we can deal with the collateral damage and the shrapnel afterwards. I don't recommend it, of course, but 
considering that we've been this close to the edge before, um, you know, why not look into the abyss one more time and see what's staring back? The aspect of, of leaving another broken heart in the wake of my laf- lifetime does not sit well with me. And for any of those out there that have also gone through oceans of time (laughs) where you've lived many lifetimes in this single lifetime, you've probably got a few heartbreaks and a few heartaches in the wake of, of your being. Granted, the greatest heartache, of course, might be your very own, but you might have inherited that. You might have got that from intergenerational trauma which begat more trauma which taught you to love traumatic relationships so make sure that every relationship you get has got an element of fucking trauma in it um so that way you feel justified in your fucking trauma bed throughout your life right i guess we should change it to trauma right like like toxic avenger in trauma trauma films that it kind of makes a lot more sense than trauma i guess it, it definitely takes the sting out of it whatever language you need whatever vernacular you need whatever jargon you need to get your fucking head right about this stuff please use it please find it there's such a wealth of information out there now that we're so lucky that we can grab onto it very quickly and make the necessary modifications and adaptions to our situation that part of the information age is absolutely acceptable the other stuff that kind of comes along with it eh, I might debate you and debate my students about quite often. One of the discussions that I had as a solution for for my situation and my relationship is, let's throw these fucking phones away and head out into the woods. (laughs) And it's just us. Let's fucking get this shit under, under the hood, right? You know, let's solve it, right? Which actually was met with some pretty good response. So definitely, sometime in the future, that'll have to happen. But now we're at this gateway point, right? Because here I am going to go off world again. Um, and going off world is, is always a trip anyhow, literally and figuratively. But the fact that it's going to wedge this distance in between myself and, and Mrs. Rocco uh, during a very critical critical time as far as like you know should I stay should I go sort of issue but I got to follow up with this because that was the original plan anyway I've got commitments that that I have to follow through on and so now's the time to pay the piper hence the mission Um, the series of isolation that I have felt over this course of coming back and then at the tail end of it finally getting COVID after fucking hiding from it forever and actually being quarantined directly yeah that's uh that's fucked with me (laughs) big time more so than I expected I think it's the realization that without Without my my compass, my moral compass, without my anchor, uh, I am adrift and in a world that is rudderless anyway. And so I think that's going to only add to the chaos to it, right? 
So it, it would be better to formulate some positive solutions in a negative situation. Which part of it is, is the climate here in the country? It, to me, it's negative. For the most part. At least what we see uh, on the news and um, around us. Because we have a huge division in this country. Obviously, when I, when I post something about the fact that one... 135 million, is that right? 135 million. 135 million people are at the sixth grade level. And I think it's being generous. And considering the total population of the country of about 35, I'm sorry, uh, around 350.5 million, something in there, 3.9.5 million. Don't quote me, it's on the line. Um, that's nearly, nearly 40% of the population. You got to really wonder <laughs> what have we done to ourselves? I mean, uh, having the cognitive function of a sixth grader for reading and understanding definitely explains a lot about what the fuck's on television and what products are being sold in mass quantities, how people behave. Yeah, it's bloody spooky. I mean, generally, again, we're, we're talking about, I used to think it was about a third of the population, but now it's, it's actually a little bit more than a third. It's, it's 40%. It's edging its way to almost half of the population. Probably in my lifetime, it will be. We are getting fucking dumber. <laughs> Fuck. It's, it's no secret. We've given up on fucking reading. Even though the numbers say that we're, we're reading more, whoever it is, it's definitely not that fucking 40% of people. And so not only are we going to have this class division based on uh, wealth and status, we're going to have an intellectual division. And, and we've heard these arguments before, you know, about the flyover states and things like that. But again, it's, it's really important data to take in consideration when we're dealing with with kicking back at certain types of policy change or whatever else especially from you know uber religious uh, evangelical fundamentalists who again are probably somewhere at least a large part of their their parishioners are stuck in in that era of being in that 40 percent at around the sixth grade le reading level I'm not saying all of them, but I would say a large portion of them, just like in other sort of third world poor ass countries where the clerics and the priests sort of determine the religious experience for their parishioners. God comes through them, right? We could see this horse shit with like this fucking jackass Kenneth Copeland or whatever his fucking name is. Is that right? I can't think of his name. That might be a different one, but you know. I'm talking about these these hate preachers going around uh, spreading hate about women and uh, democracy and uh, racism and so on, right? And, and doing it uh, covered in the flag and, and holding a Bible in the other hand. And I'm glad that we're going after their tax-exempt statuses. And I, I would encourage uh, as many people as possible to double-check that tax code that I've posted online 
and to make those uh, referrals, those uh, complaints. If you see churches that are violating that tax code, which is they can talk about certain local like bond elements, whatever else that may affect them directly, you know, like a new road coming in or something, they, they can probably speak about that. The tax code is pretty clear. You, you can't endorse and support candidates. And we've been really lax and fucking sloppy on this. And we have allowed them, we've allowed them to use these huge pulpits, these mega churches, to spread their propaganda, to spread their, their definite lies about what's going on, not only in, in their own faith, but what's in their own holy book. The Iron Age Sheep, uh, Sheep Herder's Guide to the Galaxy. Their interpretations, because why people don't fucking read? Because they're at the sixth grade fucking level. And so, of course, the, these people work their asses all, all during the week. They're working class, middle class folks. Supposedly, they think they're middle class. They're fucking working poor. And they try to feel good about themselves. They go on Sunday. They get together with their families. Get to see people. Go to church. And then listen to this, this vitriol for you know a couple hours a day and it begins to affect them and then then as they leave maybe they're listening to you know uh rush limbaugh or uh alex jones or whatever that horseshit is right and then they go and watch fox news you could see this really steady diet of this this fox newsy you know fucking disbelief and facts and logic and everything else how it's all kind of wound up and, and it really is a type of of culture war and and we have lost big elements of the culture war because we didn't pay attention to it on our side of the equation we're like yeah do whatever the fuck you want right you know it's only when they start to sort of infringe on us that we begin to say hey, 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 hey fuck you doing <laughs> you know when they start certainly impinging on certain rights or certain freedoms that we we would like to have but we know all too well that you know what we consider as rights is actually privileges again someone much more eloquent than i have ever been about any of this gave us the prophecy well, in this country, you've got to realize the government does not give a fuck about them. Government doesn't care about you or your children or your rights or your welfare or your safety. It simply doesn't give a fuck about you. It's interested in its own power. That's the only thing, keeping it and expanding it wherever possible. Personally, when it comes to rights, I think one of two things is true. I think either we have unlimited rights or we have no rights at all. Personally, I lean toward unlimited rights. I feel, for instance, I have the right to do anything. Anything he wants, it goes on, of course. Carlin was so ahead of his time, especially towards the end, when you are all diseased and, and a couple of the other ones where you know, life, life is worth living or life is worth losing. The, the social, satirical commentary out of those performances you know, still echo today. I mean, that's that's a true sign of genius, right, for humor. I mean, think about other comics from that time. I mean, are we going to watch Eddie Murphy Delirious and laugh as much? Eh, maybe out of nostalgia. Same thing with Dice Clay uh, from the same period of time. But on the other hand, this shit is timeless because we're still dealing with it. We're still talking about <laughs> what rights do we have and what privileges do we have and so on. 
And again, as I said to you, if this is a world that is a will to power, then hey, then power is going to will what rights those may be. We have to feel the same way about that if we want to protect the things that we want to protect. It's very hard to do, isn't it? But again, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And it's not easy. And you can see a very sort of orchestrated um, series of activities and long-range planning on the other side of this equation as far as loading up the lower political system and lower courts with very sort of Trump-friendly uh, candidates and judges. If we're not careful <clears throat> over the next series of elections, uh, we will basically give the whole fucking circus away and all those clowns will take over again and the states will start having a field day with uh, reversals and all of these uh, sort of federal rights related to civil rights. Whether it is, you know, a violation of free speech or uh, your Second Amendment, whatever it may be. Whatever we're looking at at this point right now with this very corrupt um, superior Supreme Court justices with lots of conflict of interest. I mean, Clarence Thomas alone is, is just fucking stinking with conflict of interest, going all the way back to when his, his goofy wife was uh, anti-Obamacare and was getting money from her lobbyist connections to be against Obamacare and using her connections to Clarence Thomas to go out and tell people that, no, we shouldn't have Obamacare. Simultaneously, her husband, the judge, is sitting on the pulpit voting against Obamacare. Now, you don't have to be Sherlock fucking Holmes to figure out this is a goddamn conflict of interest. Especially if they're going home at night sleeping in the bed. Anybody that's married for any length of time, you know, knows happy wife, happy life. And you got a feeling like when you hear Ginny uh, talk, right? Isn't that her name, Ginny? Yeah. Ginny Thomas. Yeah, can you imagine living with her? That just, she's one of them, you know, old ass ham beast, you know, sort of like hard, gross, negative, conservative women. I mean, the ultimate sort of Karen, a sense of entitlement and privilege. I mean, she just comes off as just like so bold in what she does without without any any conflict of interest in the in the sort of strange mental gymnastics that she has to do in order to prove her point about election fraud or whatever the you know whatever other fucking nonsense she's into simultaneously you've got this leaked audio of uh, the liberty groups ministry who's providing uh, a ministry, a specific ministry to Supreme Court judges where they actually have access to Supreme Court judges where they actually pray. Okay, I get it. Some of them are Catholics, some of them are whatever. A couple of Jews on there. Okay, fine. But if you're dealing with, with elements of the Constitution that have a religious component... How objective can you be if you share the same beliefs as more so the defendants than the fucking plaintiffs in this case? 
where you are the federal government trying to uphold our constitutional rights instead of fucking taking the guts out of them. Let's not forget, when Obama was uh, brought in the second time, one of the first things he did, uh, the speech that he made on the, uh, the floor of the, the place that they try to break into, whatever they fucking call that, you know, where the, the jack-off uh, Trump shaman, whatever else, had a call to order for his prayer, uh, that place. You know, Obama gave a speech there, second election, and he called out the Supreme Court justice. He called them, I think he, if I remember right, he called them liars. He looked right in their faces, and then the camera showed them, like, you know, and again, that's, that's when the court was still sort of more so on our side in some cases. Uh, let me see if I can drag that up. All right, yeah, this is from, like, 2010. With all due deference to separation of powers... Last week, the Supreme Court reversed a century of law that I believe will open the floodgates for special interests, including foreign corporations, to spend without limit in our elections. Now, see, that's interesting to me because if you look at the club, uh, clip here, it's on the tube, of course, you know, all the justices are sitting down kind of glum, and this is obviously dealing with... Uh, uh, people first and the lobbying super PAC money and of course everybody in Congress that's siding with Obama has stood up to support it and of course all the fucking greasy motherfuckers that want it are sitting down and grimacing so again why they didn't strike down this ruling is something that has been debated and is of contention either way it's a fucked up situation should be bankrolled by America's most powerful interests. That's right. Or worse, by foreign entities. They definitely. They should be decided by the American people. Absolutely. And I'd urge Democrats and Republicans to pass a bill that helps correct. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg says she was, quote, 100% sober at the president's... Oh, that's right, because she nodded off <laughs> during the speech, and so everybody thought she was drunk. You know, the shit that we fucking throw at each other around here in the political arena is just fucking hilarious. I mean, just short of what fucking happened to Shinzo Abe recently, which is funny to me that people are just picking up on this story, you know, like fucking a week or so after it happened, um, which again indicates to me like how people follow fucking geopolitics. They don't. Um, again, this this concept of, of of being assassinated for whatever reason which is yet to sort of fully come out uh, in this case. Same thing with the other people that have retired around the world and so on. Things are afoot. We know this. We accept this. So how do we make the best deal for ourselves? How do we, as neurotypical superheroes or neurospicy Avengers, how do we get through all of this? For myself, I have to leave. That's really where I'm at. And that is why I'm leaving. It's not only not only for my safety, but it's really for, for their safety or everybody else's safety in this case. If you are not getting somewhat radicalized in the situation right now, you probably never will. You're probably one of those people that are reading at the sixth grade level that are happy with your 
your fucking Bud Light and uh, Micheladas and, you know, and your fucking basic shit from Taco Bell and uh, Amazon Prime and all that other fucking nonsense. That's fine. That's, that's okay. I don't have a problem with that. It's when it spills over into your other sort of religious beliefs or your other uh, convictions where you're trying to tell me how to live. This is when we start to have some fucking conflict here. Which is uh, more than a reason for me to split at this point until the fucking dust settles again. But this is also, you know, an aspect of my, my personal life as well because obviously this separation and divorce or pending divorce is doing a number on my head and to be sort of cooped up here just doing online classes with Chinese people in isolation for the next six weeks, I cannot see that as being a good thing. Because <laughs> it hasn't been a good thing up to this point, right? And so insanity, as we say, right? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So let's take a leap of faith. Let's figure out how we can fix this situation. Uh, why is HP fighting me here? There we go. So whatever you need to do to get through that. Now, I know not everybody has the, the luxury or the privilege or the planning or the foresight or the stones to leave. So then what strategy are you going to use while you stay in place? Definitely, we have to think about a safety strategy. I would say that the recent... Uh, rulings and the recent events have emboldened a lot of the sort of single cell anemia brains. I don't know how to. My mic. Um, you know how how do we how do we get through to these people who now believe that somehow this is their right? that you have to carry these babies to term. I mean, if, if that's not a license to fucking rape, I don't know what the fuck is. Uh, thank God um, some of the police departments, local police departments in, in some of these uh, territories and parishes around the country have, have decided not to enforce um, any of this anti-abortion legislation. Uh, so we're happy about that. It's useful. On the other hand, though, the challenge for us is that we're going to have, again, a lot of wing nuts in the sense that you're going to have a lot of people that are wannabe authoritarians. These are the same kind of fucking assholes. Sorry, just a moment. Log in, we chat there. These are the, the same kind of sorry son of bitches that, that like to go around with uh, the Blue Lives Matter uh, Punisher logo or the Trump Punisher logo. And, you know, they have no idea what the fucking Punisher is. And maybe they saw the TV show with that jackass from fucking uh, uh, whatever it was, the zombie bullshit, right? And, I mean, it was okay, but, you know, fuck. To think that you are a boot-licking... Donut dick cop sucking ass kisser as the Punisher. 
it just doesn't compute. <laughs> it shows a severe fucking disconnect between, you know, the real deal and the fucking Happy Meal. And I swear a lot of these guys are on Happy Meal. My point is that my concern is over the fall is that a lot of these guys, again, are going to take take this as a way to enforce their sort of established concepts onto other people. So it's always going to be about uh, being safe and being vigilant, keeping your head on a swivel, not putting yourself in those precarious situations. I mean, the truth is most women in our country already know this. And, 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 and guys, maybe you don't know. And that's part of the problem is that you don't know. You don't know how they feel in this situation. How scared they feel. How threatened they feel. And so that's not a good thing. And if you are on the other side of this equation and you're propagating this cringe or this creepiness or these unwanted or lucid stares, then I would suggest that, you know, you think about changing your strategy. And I know some people are like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, hey, think about your mom. Think about your wife. Think about your daughter. Think about your sister. Think about a woman that you care about in general. Do you want her creeped out by some buggy white dude who thinks that, you know, his seed somehow is, has some kind of value now as dictated by the, by the bogus court? It's pretty fucking scary when you think about it. Get back to reading, please. Get back to uh, taking a look at the different things that are going to be important for your, your physical health, your mental health, your spiritual health. There's a lot of good stuff out there. Once you get your algorithm sort of tuned or your aggregate tuned, uh, you can start looking at things about you know, how to banish your negative self-talk, how to build self-confidence. I, I would say do as much as research as possible. Go ahead and start thinking about, okay, what if 95% of my behavior is primate behavior? It doesn't make it excusable, but I'm just saying, like, you know, how much of, of your behavior is actually dicta dictated by the hypothalamus, by the animal part of your brain versus the, the newer brain or the cognitive brain? These are the things that we need to think about if we want to improve our happiness. As science has got all the stuff there for us, you know, between the dopamine and the serotonin and oxytocin and all these different little things that we could do. Don't be afraid to biohack your way to a better life. That's part of enhanced living, isn't it? I mean, today's a perfect example. I was able to walk around with uh, my wife, who has always sort of didn't like the fact that I can't really keep up with her walking around. And now I can be ahead of her because I'm using an enhancement. I'm using an upright stroller that allows my my injury to be able to have some mobility, which is important for the healing of the injury. So whatever modification you got to make, please do that. 
And for me, part of the part of vacations is the fact that, that Thailand has ended almost all the travel restrictions for the U.S. In the sense that I've got a, a vaccination certificate. I've got a, a COVID um, molecular test uh, scheduled right before I fly. It's the only thing that might come up odd. Um, and, uh, you know, we get a, still get our 30-day visa. And so if, if that's what it's going to take to get me in the right place, then that's what's going to happen. We have to find the link between recognizing our own voice and feeling in control. When it comes to neuroscience, we know that listening to our own voice definitely causes some unusual feelings. And I've said this to you before. It's mostly it's because when we listen to our own voice, we're listening it to uh, from the skull inwards. For everybody else, it's the skull outwards. So, of course, I always think I have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful voice, which uh, obviously I love the sound of since I'm always using it. But we know that it's actually pretty shrill. It's one of the reasons why I've been effective as a teacher in Asia for a long time is because my voice can cut through a lot of shit. So use your voice in that case to feel control. If you're a kind of person that's struggling with your voice, uh, talk to me. I'll help you. I don't have a problem with, with working with uh, native speakers when it comes to public speaking and making suggestions about organization for your ideas and the same things that we apply for the students when they have to do presentation. You'll be surprised how useful it can be to boost your confidence in certain situations, even if it's just meeting other people. We want to get to the point where we can communicate effectively enough to look at some of the common effects that there may be for complex relational trauma. We know this will happen, especially if the patterns that are replayed in our childhood carry on with us into our adulthood. For sure, that's where we're at. And when I say we, I mean me in this case. And so the more that I look at some of these complex relational uh, trauma issues where sort of trauma begets trauma, I can, I can kind of begin to work backwards. I can reverse engineer sort of the situation and try to find those healing points that that scared little boy within me who causes a lot of bullshit in my adult life needs to be dealt with. And so whether or not it's, it's the, the sort of different symptoms related to behavior or an idea that maybe even de depression uh, decreases the, your you know, sort of your ability to have a sense of smell, believe it or not. We know that uh, we can train animals to, especially um, the service animals, to, you know, sense your mood, to find out, are you depressed? I mean, dogs kind of do it naturally anyway, but you can actually encourage it even more so with dialogue. And now with the, the paw buttons, animals can actually build up a, a sort of specific vocabulary uh, to see how you are in these kind of situations. And so we just kind of keep adding on different parts or different components uh, trying to understand uh, more about uh, trauma in general, but also personal trauma. You know, you might be suffering from something like infantasia, infantasia, I can't even do it. And fantasia, well, that makes sense, like fantasia, but aphantasia. And so aphantasia, of course, may be considered a rare condition. 
that might make you unable to visualize images in your imagination uh, in order to sort of make plans for the future or even the past, some memories. And so aphantasia could be something that uh, people do as a response to disassociative behavior. Think about the children that we know or people that we grew up with or maybe you yourself listening, uh, dealing with some extensive child abuse or trauma, abandonment, whatever it may be. You may have some elements of aphantasia in order to sort of protect yourself, that gooey soft middle. Got to get past it. And so understanding your inner voice and that inner critic related to these things is going to be extremely important because that's where you're going to sort of build up your own sense of regulation. Yes, a good therapist is worth their weight in gold, but we know there's a lot of them out there, just like physical trainers, just like teachers. There's a lot of them out there. You have to find the right match and you might have to try a couple different people. You might have to go through some referrals. Not everybody is going to have sort of the necessary tools or skills to reach you. And for those people, sometimes if they love their therapist, then fantastic for them. They've got a good experience. On the other hand, we know people that go through it for years because it's mandated by the court or mandated by some kind of treatment program or desire to get better without sort of any progress. We have to be skeptical of that. My, my suggestion is that if you are working poor and you're dependent on sort of the lower end of healthcare, Medicaid, whatever it is, trust me, mental health uh, support is not, not a big priority because of the money aspect of it. On the other hand, hey, if you got the good stuff, where you can afford to be stuck into an asylum or rehab or whatever else, yada, yada, then guess what? All of a sudden, your treatment is really good. And so this gap between intelligence, this gap between status, these are the things that we're sort of referring to. Because it does make a difference. It does affect how um, people respond to their treatment, if they get quality treatment or not. Sometimes they don't. Uh, the other aspect of it is sometimes it could be something maybe that it's not trauma-related specifically, but maybe uh, some sort of physical element that has not manifested itself except in the way that it's affecting you, changing your attitude. Um, we know that some of our brothers and sisters that took shrapnel in Desert Storm had wounds, open wounds, that had some serious problems for infection, dealing with the, the sort of the uh, Iraqi bakhtaki, in the sense that we thought it maybe it was even chemical warfare. But actually, we've got some, we've got some pretty nasty bacteria, believe it or not, especially in the desert because it's so harsh of an environment that any bacteria that could survive in that's got to be fucking strong-ass shit. And so you might have a situation where you, you might have, um, like my, for myself, I had uh, helio, uh bacteria, which most people have, but I had it in excess 
along with the congenitive positioning of sort of the the empty valve in my stomach and so I had uh, tremendous stomach pains and and, and stomach um, issues for almost six years I mean I, I basically I thought it was pancreatic cancer and living in Asia and so forth and, and trying to trying to almost avoid it to be honest with you um, also being able to find a an MRI machine big enough <laughs> but that's not really what I needed what I needed was you know colonoscopy and uh, endoscopy which I finally got and then realized oh you just got extra bacteria here is some um, antibiotics and so that we have cases of people that that have some of these huge um, bacterial wounds that have caused abscesses in their stomach basically it's killing the person but you know in the process is turning them into an asshole uh, because they're in so much pain because we know we know that that the gut bacteria definitely infects our mood and our intelligence and so imagine if you got something going on down there how that's also going to affect it we've got to get to a place where we dig a bit deeper the way that our forefathers did yes they didn't have the same advantages for information and so on but definitely they were much more hardy they had a lot more grit if you look in your family history and look back as far as you can if you have some genealogy my uncle was a genealogist so i'm lucky in that sense and you look back at some of the rogues and 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 cowboys and colonizers and indigenous people warriors and so forth in your history you realize wow i got some some pretty hard-ass motherfuckers in my background why am i being so wimpy why am i being so weak uh, these are the questions that we need to start examining for ourselves you know curiosity is definitely somewhere between fluid intelligence and crystallized intelligence and we know that as we've developed as human that, that curiosity for learning definitely encourages the exploration for new information this is where we come come up with new things new ideas and so if we think about the individual differences in how curious we are about certain situations whether again it's through fluid or crystallized intelligence uh, i'm back and forth on that one um, what i sometimes suspect could be fluid is actually crystallized and sometimes what i think is crystallized is actually fluid and so that might be a, a, a matter of, of objective versus subjective either way uh, the idea here is that we we gotta stay curious we know that the, the loneliness that we feel as adults is definitely linked to our childhood trauma we've got some maladaptive adult relationships and these only increase our feelings of loneliness i would suggest that in my desire to lick my wounds most recently the uh people that i immediately surrounded myself around with did not have my best interest in mind which is always another way to punish yourself of course is to make sure that you get involved with people that are probably going to take the fucking pennies off your eyes when you're dead no honor among thieves only because you actually kind of know where you stand and it should make you realize that you're in the wrong fucking place uh, so how do we measure all of that how do we put this all back in the basket and say to ourselves you know if I want to stay neurospicy, if I still want to celebrate being a neurodivergent, 
being a neurodivergent superhero, how can I get around all of these obstacles, whether they are emotional or mental or psychological, even spiritual to a certain extent? Again, that, that, is, that is really an individual journey for yourself. There's, there's no amount of experience or information or knowledge or anecdote that I could provide for you that's going to give you a complete free pass. Because that shit ain't free. That is your life. How you choose to manage it from this point forward is something you need to consider. And notice that I'm using this this directive pronoun because this is really for me. It really is. Like most of this. And some of you can see that. Some of you understand that. And I appreciate your support and following along with it as I go through this process of trying to figure this all out. There are solutions. There are positives and there are negatives. There's even liminals in between. And we can have fun with all of that as long as there's a continual forward progression. I've got to get to the point to really decide what it is that I want for my life within the next X amount of years. Ten years? Fine. Five years? Okay. This year, even better. It doesn't stop. And I think the moment that that you make it stop, we might be asking for trouble. It's like when people retire and then they fucking croak. (laughs) Because they're doing something different. I never want to retire. I always want to be doing something different. But what's the next different, right? I also have to accept the fact that as I get older, my physical abilities are declining. And so there's kind of this race between having the, the, the privilege of being very wise because maybe I have lots of knowledge and the only reason why I have lots of knowledge is because I've lived a life where I was not very wise I've made a lot of mistakes and I will continue to make them my personality is that of a crusader in this case a turbulent crusader (laughs) and so I want to I want to continue that crusade to live in a world where we do feel safe, where we do feel happy, where we do celebrate the diversity of individuals, while we work together to join the stars. <laughs> yeah, that's always my thing with Bill Hicks, right? We should be in the stars by now. Uh, we are. We're floating around on this rock as it is, but you know, when I add some other caveats to that, putting everything back in the bag definitely a lot of concepts, a lot of ideas, a lot of things to consider, but the main thing is to consider. Keep considering. (laughs) If I can leave you with that, then that's what I'll leave you with. In the hopes that your consideration will spark some sort of idea or situation that ultimately, ultimately leads I don't want to say to your salvation, but to your, to your desired glory. How's that? 
<laughs> Some, something along those lines, I imagine, might be useful for us in this case. Keep doing the work as much as possible. Uh, let's let's uh, start doing a bit more reading. If anything, we probably should start a neuro spicy uh, reading list. I would suggest is probably a good idea. And so if we can do that, that would be awesome. We could sort of compare uh, some of our concepts, even if they're only just articles. So I think I will post that up on my book to make sure, or my website, to make sure that you guys would consider taking a look at that because I always want to get other people's ideas sometimes on these pieces of material. I always think that's sort of uh, useful to us. All right, going into the lair of dragons. I'm going into the dragon that I know. Back to the kingdom. You're welcome to join me anytime. <laughs>